This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create and maintain meaningful relationships that contain sizzling sex. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Today, the letter is O, and O is for orgasm, except this time we're not just kind of doing straightforward orgasm. O is for orgasm denial orgasm that's forced, energy orgasms, full body orgasms, and um, edging. Um, And joining me tonight on the show is my husband, Terrence Scott. He's been on the show a number of times. Um, And um, we just thought it would be fun to do this one together. So welcome to the show. Why, thank you very much. So um, let's start out with, um, with a bit of, of defining for people. Um, so how would you define edging? Oh, goodness. Edging is taking either yourself or your partner to, to that point. It's like getting to the top of the roller coaster where you're just about to head downhill, you you can you can see it, you can feel it, and then next thing you know, it's a plateau. So, it, edging is 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 when you want to put somebody at the edge of that orgasm and uh, hold them there. And hold them there. That's the, the the crucial part of this. It being a plateau is one thing, but you've got to balance it so they're actually held on the edge. And if you go into a proper plateau, they won't be held on the edge. True enough. It, it'll, it'll be, um, how does one describe it? It'll be a level feeling. And it'll, it'll, it actually, for many people, is quite frustrating feeling um, sitting in a plateau. Whereas um, if you uh, actually manage to sit on that edge, it's a different kind of frustration. Um, and edging is something that you can do yourself so that you can learn to push yourself further. Indeed. Um, with a partner in order to learn to push themselves further and also learn to be able to stave off orgasm if they want to last longer. Um, and, and many people, when I say that, think that, we're, that we would only be talking about um, staving off orgasm in men. Um, but that's not true. Um, you know, sometimes women come very quickly um, and some women don't um, have multiple orgasms naturally. And so um, they've got to learn. And so if they come very quickly, they get tired. They don't want to come that quickly because they they want to ha- have their partner have a chance of catching up. Um, right. So it's not always the men who need that 
lengthening of, um, of time. So edging can be a lot of fun. Edging can also be incredibly sadistic and it can be in, in, engaged in, in, um, in BDSM play. Um, and when somebody knows their partner really well, they can bring them to the edge and hold them there for a very long time, which is annoying and frustrating sometimes. So, you know, um, the desire for release can be really intense. Um, of course, when orgasm does come, when this is done well, then it usually pretty, it's usually pretty intense. Yes, that's, that's kind of the idea. Yeah. You, you, want, you want the release to, to be that crashing tidal wave. It, you're not doing it just so that they can have an orgasm. You want them to have a, pardon the expression, fucking great orgasm. Right. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So it's a it's something you can practice. It's yes. a skill you can build, and we we're all for the tips and tricks and skills you can build here. Um, don't forget if you've got questions um, or comments that you want to make, that you can write in. You can email in at lauriebeth at drlauriebethbisbee.com if you don't want to uh, call in and uh, speak live on the show. So. Um, that's edging. Lots yeah. of fun. Lots of fun. Forced orgasm. <sighs> well, it too can be lots of fun. Um, from, from my side of the slash, it's a lot more fun being the sadist. Okay. Why would you say that? Because a lot of times the partner in question does not know when you're going to force them to have that orgasm. But so like for people who were like, who haven't done this, uh, you know, they think forced. Yeah. Forced um, can be um, a number of different ways. Um, in some situations, forced is literally pushing somebody into an orgasm when um, they don't particularly want to have one. Um, and you've got to know somebody's body incredibly well in order to be able to do something like that. Um, other, otherwise, it's, it, it's not possible. And sometimes that's physical, that you push somebody physically into it. But other times you can do that by manipulating energy yes. um, and not actually physically touching someone. So that's yes. one thing. Um, a second type of forced orgasm sometimes is, um, is pushing for multiple orgasm. Um, and particularly in somebody who has a, a relatively long refractory period. Um, so they're feeling quite sensitive and they don't really want to be stimulated any further because they're feeling quite sensitive and it might even be a little bit painful or on the edge of painful that actually kind of, you know, that's a time where forced orgasm is interesting when you're actually trying to push that person into um uh, a second or a third orgasm when they're not kind of yes desirous or ready. Um, of course, you're doing this with consent. It's oh, you know, you'd always be doing this with consent. But it is um, it is a very different sensation than an orgasm that just kind of comes upon one. Yes, it's far more controlled, and there's far more pressure around it. 
Um, and it, it takes some, I mean, as you said, it takes a lot of knowledge of the person that you're playing with. Knowledge, conditioning, yes. Well, conditioning is, yeah. Okay, so conditioning is part of it um, in some circumstances, not always. I mean, sometimes not it's Not always, no. Sometimes it's purely physical. Um, but um, in cases where it isn't purely physical, um, the conditioning part of that is, it, it, it is really, truly very much like classical conditioning. That is how that's conditioned. Um, and so you're pairing a response with a stimuli. So any of you who studied the basics of Pavlov and his dogs, we've mentioned him on the show before. And if you remember Pavlov and his dogs and the experiments that he did, Pavlov decided to see if he could get the dogs to respond to a bell by salivating instead of responding just to food. So the stimuli that was natural is the food, the presentation of the food causes salivation. That's something that is completely natural stimuli and a response. So he paired a bell with the food. So every time he presented the food, he rang the bell. Every time he presented the food, he rang the bell. And of course the dog salivated every time the food was presented. And after a while he took away the food and just rang the bell and dog salivated. That's classical conditioning. And that is one way to start pair to start creating a forced orgasm. Um, it's not the only way, but it is one way to start creating a forced orgasm. So you're going to pair a command, a verbal command, a touch, a sound, a look. I mean, it can be anything. It's any stimuli with an orgasm. Yes. And, and you have to condition that. Yes. To the point where you can take away the physical stimulus that causes the orgasm. As long as the trigger is still there. As long as the trigger is still there. And that's classical conditioning. So we're about two minutes from break now. Um, again, if you've got any questions, um, please feel free to write in Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com. Um, you can also phone in in the next segment. I am happy to answer questions about anything to do with sex and relationships. doesn't have to be related to this particular show. If we don't get to the question on this show, we will certainly answer it. Over the next few weeks, I never let questions sit or disappear. Um, so if you've got questions about different types of creation of orgasm, please do write in. And we will be back in a couple of minutes after we hear from our sponsors. And I look forward to hearing you back in segment number two really soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. This is segment two of O is for Orgasm, Denial, Forced, and Edging. And um, I'm joined by my husband, Terrence Scott, for this show. And before the break, we were talking about classical conditioning in terms of creating a forced orgasm situation. Um, And the thing about classical conditioning is that... um, you can get rid of the response that you've conditioned very quickly by not making the pair often enough, right? Right. Um, and so if, um, if you don't have the, pay, the stimuli and the response, the stimuli and the response, the stimuli and the response, if one time you have the stimuli and the response doesn't happen, the response will drift away very quickly. Yes. So a lot of people don't want to use classical conditioning. What they choose to do is use operant conditioning. Um, the psychologist responsible for operant conditioning and a good portion of the behavioral movement was called B.F. Skinner. Um, B.F. Skinner uh, was famous for his conditioning of rats and pigeons, right? Teaching rats and pigeons. Um, and um, what B.F. Skinner did was instead of just pairing a stimulus with a response, he would do stimulus, response, reward, Stimulus, response, reward. And um, initially, you got the reward every time. So if you got the reward every time, then it built up this pattern. The problem with that, similar to classical conditioning, is if one time the reward didn't come, guess what happened? The habit went. The response went. Right. So... um, he began to do intermittent responses. Now, intermittent 
patterns are incredibly hard to get rid of. And the reason is because you can't predict when you're going to get that thing you want. And I always use the example, you know, watch people when they go out to their car and they turn the key, give it a little gas, right? Turn the key and it doesn't start. And they step on the gas again and they turn the key. Well, this is if you've got a key to turn, right? Or they push the button. And the car doesn't start. And the third time they do it, and what happens? Car starts. Okay, great. Next time the car doesn't start, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to push that button at least three times. At least. At least. So they push the button three times, the car doesn't start. They push the button a fourth time, it doesn't start. A fifth time they push it, and what happens? It starts. What have they learned? Well, it might take three times, might take four times, might take five times. So the next time it doesn't start, there's a longer sequence. So it's hard to get rid of the habit pattern. It's one of the things that I've seen working with kids. And when I talk with parents about how they um, manage kids' bad behaviors, um, And one of the hardest things that parents deal with when kids are tantruming, when they're little and screaming and shrieking and all of that, is that they give in too quickly. They get to a place where they just can't stand it anymore and they back down. And so um, they ended up teaching the child that if, as long as I go on long enough, eventually I'm going to get my way. Yes. So it is a very hard pattern to extinguish. So it's one of the best ways to condition a forced orgasm is to have that intermittent reinforcement around it. And the reinforcement, I mean, people, people think, oh, well, is the orgasm reinforcement on its own? Well, yes, it is, right? Um, but also there are loads of rewards that are added for behaving in the way that the dominant type wants you to behave, right? You get good things when you do what you're supposed to do. Conversely, when you don't do what you're supposed to do, you might not get good things, right? So um, you can do an awful lot with this and you can layer in a lot of ways. And, and depending on what triggers you, you, you condition, um, it can be a lot of fun. It can also be a tad bit overwhelming. Yes. I remember somebody I knew who conditioned to a snap and that poor girl listening to music. If they, this, right, that was it. Didn't have to be his snap. It was any snap. So there's all sorts of fun things you can do with this, as you can see. Um, again, of course, everything we talk about, you've got to have consent first. And, and in order to have, good consent in order to have affirmative consent everybody's got to understand what it is they're consenting to so if you're not clear on what this actually looks like in practice you need to go find out a lot more detail about it so that you know what it is you're consenting to now the right? the, the adage of looking before one leaps <clears throat> is very important especially in something like bdsm yeah so Details. You need details, right? Um, so that is kind of one of the ways in which people do forced orgasms. Um, uh, a lot of times you see um, like 
people integrating this into an orgasm where it might not be appropriate. So you're in public and yes. um, you need to keep a straight face um, or not make noise um, or not kind of fall on the floor, depending on the strength of the orgasm. Right. Especially now with the, with the wireless vibrators. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that is a, another level of forced orgasm that isn't conditioned, right? That's right. not conditioned. That's got a physical, that was the next yes. one I was going to come on to. That's got a physical stimulus. You know, there are tons of sex toys now that, that have um, remotes or apps. So if you're close by, the wireless remote is cool, right? But if you're at a distance, some of them have apps that you can use to control. And that's one like, you know, again, you've negotiated consent. Your partner can be in the middle of doing something and the vibrator turns on. Right. Some of them are quiet. Some of them are not quiet. So I'm really not sure how people end up playing with them in public places. It's like, fuck, the whole world could hear that, right? You know, be really embarrassing in a meeting. But some of them are actually quite quiet. So you could... You could be in the middle of a meeting. You could be at the theater. You could be uh, grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. What so you need sitting in the house with your parents. Yeah, it could be any any time, anywhere. Yeah, you do need to remember, however, when you're going to do stuff like that, that other people in the world are not consenting to what you're doing. True so enough. if you're going to do it, you need to do it well so that you're not involving them in your play. And some people would argue that if you're doing it like where your parents are and stuff like that, that that actually isn't, isn't cool. Cause even if they don't notice you're involving them, you know? And so, I mean, it is something that we discuss when we're talking about consent is like, how much is there that's okay to um, expose people too where they don't expressly know what's going on and they haven't expressly consented to what's going on and said, Hey, yeah, I want to be involved in this. Cool. Let's do it. Right. Um, and, and that's a hard one. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of fun things you can do on the train out for a walk with the dogs in the loads of fun store. stuff in the grocery store. Um, you know, uh, Please try to avoid doing when driving because you need your attention on the road. Don't feel like you're, you know, having a car run into me because, you know, he or she was in the middle of an orgasm instead of paying attention to driving. You know, use some common sense when you take your risks. And then there's the explanation if you, if you don't die. Yeah. Yeah. Not so, not so cool. Like back in the old days, people used to drive down the highway and give head. Yeah. There, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, you know yeah, when yeah. you don't really believe that anything horrible can happen to you, you do all sorts of stupid shit. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's lots of fun until you take into consideration how many other people you're putting at risk by doing that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, again, this is this, this kind of forced orgasm, what we're talking about is one in which you're you, you're actually using physical stimuli. It's just that you're controlling the that you're controlling the vibrator or the sex toy, um, and um, your partner 
just comes when they do, right? Whenever the stimulation gets to a certain point, that's it. They yeah, have an I'm, orgasm. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to come out and say this for any folks out there who have spouses who are surgeons. Don't be doing that stuff when they're at work, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That's cool. Just just making sure we're clear. I'm, I don't think the person on the operating table wants to go, well, the scar is a little longer than it would be because... Um, uh, <laughs> well, and again, what, I, you know, what it is is it's about common sense, and a lot of times people miss the common sense aspect. I talk about risk assessment when you're talking about these things. So uh, sometimes in, in, in BDSM, uh, people talk about safe, sane, and consensual as a way of thinking about it um, or um, risk-aware consensual kink. Um, I really ask people to learn to risk assess. Um, and risk assessing, we do it in all areas of our lives. We sit down and we think, you know, what are the risks? What are the benefits? And we make a decision as to how much risk we want to take. And each of us has the autonomy to do that. But we do need to remember that um, when we're taking risks with this sort of stuff, we're taking risks with someone else. So yeah. we need to include them in this the assessment. Anyone who might be affected by it needs to be included in the assessment. Yes. And if you can't include them because there are people around you, then you ought to be thinking about really is this a is this a reasonable risk to take? And I'm not trying to be a killjoy because there's plenty of stuff we can do and plenty of really intense stuff we can do without actually um, being jerks to the people around us, right? Without unwittingly involving them in things or impacting um, them in ways that they, they didn't really agree to be impacted and they didn't really want to be part of. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, it is definitely one of those things. You use some common sense, just like right now, use some common sense, you know, you, you know the, these, um, these vibrators are fab. These sex toys are fab because you can use them at a distance. So if you're not sheltering or shielding with the person that you're partnered with or one of the people you're partnered with, you can still play and still do all sorts of fun stuff without being in the same physical space. Um, so that it's got value. It's got extra value there. Um, if you've um, had a look at my YouTube um, and my Instagram, I've both been posting unboxing um, videos of me unboxing various new and fun sex toys. And there are some good ones there that have remote controls. So you can check those out on YouTube. Um, there's going to be some more coming up. Um, and, um, and then there will be reviews following that after they've been played with because the unboxing, I can tell you a little bit about them, but I can't tell you exactly what I think because I haven't played with them yet. But we're about one minute from break. Um, and when we come back on the next segment, we are going to talk a bit about orgasm denial and chastity and things like that. Um, and so I look forward to speaking with all of you after the break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. 
Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Voice AM Health. That's at Voice AM Health. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. This is segment three of O is for orgasm, denial, forced, and edging. And I'm here with my husband, Terrence Scott, chatting about all things interesting around orgasm. Um, Before the break, um, we were talking about using your common sense when you're using remote control toys to... um, bring about an orgasm in your unsuspecting play partner, partner, or spouse. Um, And I wanted to move to talking about orgasm denial and chastity um, devices and things like that. So um, as we talked about at the beginning, we talked about edging and and how that's delaying orgasm really. Um, Orgasm denial is about, no, you don't get to have one. Yeah. You know, just like it says on the tin. Yeah. There there's there's no way around that. Denial is just that. Yep. Yep. And um it can be done for a lot of reasons, right? I mean, orgasm denial can be done for reasons of control, for the fun of the control, um to frustrate the person you're denying, to build the erotic energy um and the intensity of the erotic energy. Um, until the point at which you no longer deny them the orgasm, until the point at which you let them explode or you make them explode. So um, there's that. You can do that to, to, to really not edging, often not at the edge of orgasm, although sometimes it's, it's edging and then denial. So you don't allow them that release at that point. Um, or you can do that over a period of time, days, yes, weeks, 
months. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's pretty intense. Right? You know, or it could just be that, you know, your, your spouse, play partner, slave, whatever, is hypersexual. They're, they're easily stimulated. And that denial is, as you said, it becomes a very important control factor. Because if they're used to just being able to go poof, and suddenly you're saying, no, you can't poof anymore. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It, um, it, it's, it's that, it's that cold dash of water on the privates. It, it, it whether it's real or not, it's, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I have to need no i mean it is definitely one of those things where um it's it can be about training rather than kind of um denial for the sake of denial yes so again again it can be about um looking at conditioning someone's response lengthening their response um, for example, if somebody continually ejaculates prematurely, orgasm, some orgasm denial can be very helpful. Conversely, sometimes it has the exact opposite effect because the more you deny it, the quicker they get off when you finally allow yeah. them to do yeah. so. So there, you know, there are, there are different ways of playing with this. Um, certainly, one area of orgasm denial is um, is chastity devices. And there are chastity devices for both men and women. Um, and um, some of them are really quite severe. And if you haven't had a look at what historical chastity devices looked like. Good Lord. Yeah. Well, it's worth doing, though. Yes. It right? Is. It's, um, it's definitely worth doing. I'm just going to see if I can find. So um, if you in historical chastity devices in Google, well, first you get like, you know, buy these chastity devices from sex toy places. Um, but, um, well, there's a Pinterest called 60 best, best chastity belt images, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. I never thought about that one, right? Um, and there's a lot of different 19 chastity interests. You, you would never know how many people are into making Pinterest with oh. chastity belts. I'm not surprised. There are loads of them. And if, uh, we, if we were not in lockdown, what I would suggest is that people go check out, if there is one in their area, check out your local sex museum. Go absolutely. look. Absolutely. And I mean, while you're in lockdown, you can check out whether any of the museums in, in your area or even some of the larger ones that are further away are actually running virtual programs. Um, and that can be a lot of fun. Um, I'm just looking and seeing whether or not there's a virtual program at one of my favorites. 
Would that be Prague? Uh, no, actually, I love Prague too. That was my next port of call. Um, so I'm looking at the Amsterdam Sex Museum, um, which is a great sex museum. It's right in the center of Amsterdam, and it's called the Temple of Venus, and it's the world's first and oldest sex museum. Um, on, I think, my um, YouTube there at, is somewhere on my YouTube, um, some videos of when, of when I made my last visit there. Um, it's fabulous place lots of fun what i am not seeing yeah oh there we go right so i'm going to turn that off because it's got lots of music um so you can head over to the, to the website and see part of the um collection and a nice and informational display there with some music um um, another one of my favorites is the Prague Sex Museum, which had some cool chastity devices. Just saying. Um, this is the Sex Machines Museum. That's what it's called. It's got 350 items, three floors of exhibition. And it is devoted to sex machines, although I must say to you that machines is loosely defined. Um, and there are some cool chastity devices there. Well worth a visit. Chastity devices always implies that somebody is a key holder. Yes. It's rare that people put themselves in their own chastity devices, although people who are who, who are into chastity as a fetish might do that if they don't have a key holder, but it isn't the same. And then of course there were the uh, monastic <clears throat> folks who for whatever reasons were doing it to themselves as well. When was that? That would have been in the middle ages. Oh, Okay. You know that it, it was it was part part of show, showing your devotion by by showing that you were willing to make sure that you could not be tempted into self pleasure. Okay. Yeah the 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 idea of a, of a man putting himself in a in a cock cage mm. to, to prove his devotion doesn't sound like something that you would expect nowadays, but back then, yeah. Um, and what one needs to be aware of, though, is that you have to really be careful with chastity devices. Long-term use of various chastity devices can cause some serious problems. Yes. Far more for men, I believe, than for women. Um, um, yes. It's especially... You know, ex extended wear of rings and anything that constricts blood flow. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, this is one to get lots of information about and be well informed about and risk assess if you're going to do it, if it's something you're interested in. But there is a, a way of denying orgasm because when you're locked in a chastity belt, you can't get at it. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't have orgasms. Right? 
orgasms don't necessarily require ejaculation. True enough. Um, and so, um, you know, lots of people experience orgasmic release without stimulating their genitals. So if this is your thing, even though you're locked down, you may still find yourself having an intense orgasm as a result and probably get in trouble for it. Uh, yeah. Because usually people don't lock you down if they really want you to have the orgasm. That sort of goes against the grain. It goes against the, um, the rules, as it were, a lot of the time. Um, but, um, yeah, that is another thing to think about in terms of orgasms that aren't just orgasms from physical stimulation, is that you can have full body orgasms, you can have orgasms that originate in moving energy around the body and pushing energy to a peak. Yes. Again, these are things, these are disciplines you can learn. So they're skills. And that's one of the cool things about all of this, right? They're all skills that you can learn. So you can vary your repertoire, expand your repertoire of pleasure by learning some of these skills. Um, We teach a class in energy play uh, whenever we get the chance to do so. Uh, um, If um, conferences are up and running for September of this year, I'll be teaching a class in energy play at Sex Down South in in Atlanta, Georgia, which is a fabulous conference. Um, And that should be loads of fun if we're able to, to, to be in Georgia in September. If not, I'm fairly sure what they'll do is just move it a little bit further along and then I'll be teaching it a little bit further along. But I love teaching that class because um, it's so much fun to be able to show people the difference between how something feels when it's a simple physical touch and how something feels when you put some energetic force behind it. Totally different sensation. Yep. Really exciting, lots of fun. And if you get good at it, you can do really interesting things with it um, and um, create lots of pleasure in someone else, but also um, ex- experience lots of pleasure and create it in yourself. And it's really nice to be able to move that back and forth. Now, we are a couple of minutes from our final break. And when we come back, we'll be talking a little bit more about how one might start to learn that discipline. And I'm also going to talk to you all about my book that's just come out and some of the upcoming events that are happening because they're really exciting. And we've got a lot of online events going on over the next um, two months that should be a lot of fun. Um, But that will have to wait until we come back and have heard from our sponsors. So I'll see you all in a couple of minutes. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, 
there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this is the final part of O is for Orgasm, Force, Denial, and Edging. And I'm here with my husband, Terrence Scott, and we have been discussing some of the more interesting things one can do with orgasm. Um, So before the break, we were talking about orgasms that include the movement that are, are where you're deliberately moving energy. Of course, orgasm always has a a pretty significant release of energy, a pretty significant movement of energy. Um, But we were talking about how much fun that can be and how it is that you could start learning how to do this yourself um, at home um, and start practicing some of this. So we talked earlier about how you can condition things. So this is, you know, how you can, start to perceive more of this and practice it. Um, Step one really is learning how to be present with the other person. And what I mean by present is really here now. No more complicated than that. I'm focused on what I'm doing right this minute. I'm not thinking about other things. I'm not worrying about something from before. I'm not planning what I'm going to say after. I'm right in this moment, feeling my body, you know, being aware of all my senses right in this moment right now. That's part one, because it increases your observational capacity, which is important if you're going to do anything with energy. Yes. You've got to be able to observe the changes that you're experiencing. Yeah, you, you, you really do have to take take the time to not not just know yourself physically, but mentally and even even spiritually. You you need to know where your center is. And I um like um I, I took Tai Chi for many years and um, we used to do Qigong, which was um, 
and energy movement exercises. And I always liked those because they were very um, straightforward and quite simple. Um, and we always started with our knee, standing with our knees about shoulder width apart, slightly bent. And the first thing the instructor would say is, is to push down into the ground, push down roots. So feel yourself completely connected to the ground and rooted in the ground. And then one would pull the energy up from the earth, bringing it around in a ball and moving it around in a circle and then pushing it back down. Now, this is done with breath patterns as well. So I'm giving you the outline. But if you want to do this properly, you need to go and have a look at the breath patterns that you, you, you want to be employing. And also, because um, it, it's really hard to teach somebody just like this, right? It's, it's far better to actually break it down and look at all the different pieces of it. Um, but it is not that difficult to learn. Um, and it increases your feelings of groundedness, but it also will increase your energy levels because you're pulling that up, all of that up from the earth. It's a wonderful feeling. Um, and if you do it well, um, it, there's a, a, a some, some sort of endorphin high and a, and a feeling of um, kind of a blissy, a blissy yeah. feeling, really. A feeling of euphoria. Yes. Yeah. Um, so starting working with that so that you're actually feeling energy and able to distinguish where things are coming from. Again, more observational stuff as well before you decide that you want to do something with that and orgasm. Those are the first couple of steps. Lots of fun. Um, if you're interested in classes on energy play and you're interested in finding out some more about this stuff, go ahead and sign up for my mailing list um, because you'll then be one of the first to know about all the events that we've got upcoming. And that is one that we like to teach regularly. So it's worth going up and signing up. And then you can do that at drlauribethbisbee.com. Um, I um, just released my erotic memoir, uh, Dancing the Edge to Surrender, an erotic memoir of trauma and survival. It's just been out a couple of weeks. We had a launching, a launching party, a virtual book launch party last night and had an absolute blast. And what came out of that was that we are going to do um, another evening event where I will do um, another set of erotic erotica readings, some from the book and some from other parts of my, my work. Um, and I'm going to do this as a fundraiser. Haven't identified the charities yet, but I'll let you know when that is. If you want to be one of the first people to know about this, email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com or go ahead and sign up on the email list and you'll find out. Or head over to drlauribethbisbee.press, which is my author website, and that's where you can find description of the book, links to pick the book up, and I will be posting events on that site along with um, upcoming titles and some of my previous titles once I can um, get the links to them sorted out. So you'll have a place where you can go and find out about all the writing that I enjoy doing um, and um, come and celebrate with us and spend some time really considering uh, some of the more alternative erotica you're probably going to run into. And then my Mara is 
lots of fun, pretty intense, um, well worth checking out. Yes, so, well worth checking out. Yeah, it was a lot of um, fun to write in some parts, hard to write in others. What I've done is I've paired my life story with my erotica and some analysis to talk about some of the themes that you see in my life. Um, and so we talk about trauma themes, emotional um, um, literacy, emotional skills, um, gaslighting. So it's, 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 it's got some pretty meaty stuff and it can be pretty intense because my life has been pretty intense and my erotic is pretty raw and pretty intense. Um, but it's all about authenticity and highlighting, you know, there's a light no matter where you are on the path. Um, and if you're willing to do the work, you can get where you want to go. And, and we are all works in progress, every single one. So um, I encourage you to go head over to the site and take a look at that. Uh, and let me know if you're interested in being part of the next couple of events. One of them is going to be erotica. Um, Another one is going to kind of go over some of the other parts and themes of the book. Um, and um, there'll be some just relaxing, fun stuff, tri tips and tricks to increase your sexual pleasure and increase your pleasure awareness while we're still in lockdown. Yes, I am stumbling over my words. We didn't finish till 3.30 in the morning last night. So I'm a little bit more tired than I normally am when recording. And I'm only a couple of minutes from the end. So I look forward to seeing all of you next week when the letter is P. And I'm not going to tell you what we're talking about next week yet. It's the letter P. See if you can guess what it is. Or give advice about what you think it should be. Exactly. If you have a suggestion for the show or a suggestion for a guest, do write me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. I hope all of you have a fantastic week with abundant pleasure, and I'll see you next time. We hope you learned something today, but if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of The A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Voice America Health and Wellness. See you next week.